You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 193, covering Hard Time and Shattered Mirror. Hi, friends. Hey, people. It's us. We're here again. Remember that thing we like to talk about, that if you if you want a good sample of the show, we sh- you should listen to one where we do an episode we like, one we don't like? Well, you're in goddamn luck, because guess what? This is this is one of those times. Yeah. One of those hard times. And Shattered ah, Mirror. What an excellent segue you segued, Al. Except it's not called hard times. It's no. called hard time. Because that's an expression that means prison. Yes. As opposed to an expression that means times are hard. Right. Or a Run DMC song from back then. Yes. Hard times. I don't expect you to know that. It was made like the year you were born. That's fine. Um, I'm aware of Run DMC. I couldn't name a song for you from them, though. Really? Walk This Way? Oh, is that Run DMC? Okay, fine. I can name one song now that I've been told that it's by them. (laughs) Very well. Uh, see, now if this was our other show, I would I would spend a while like schooling you on 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 old school hip hop and end up showing you something utterly ridiculous that would make you fall out of your chair laughing. But uh, but instead, you're gonna school me on Star Trek. I am. We're gonna something I don't really need schooling on at this point. No, we kind of like jointly teach the class. I'd like to believe that I'm a Star Trek professional after however the fuck long we've been doing the show yeah i mean we're uh this is we're just about at our fourth anniversary for the show i believe i think we started in october 2010 i think that yeah. sounds right something like that yeah i don't know we're up to almost 200 episodes so that's something yep that's impressive and as as we uh mentioned recently past the official halfway point of all star trek so yep. yeah i think i think we're uh think we're qualified we should get some kind of honorary phd from starfleet academy or something yeah that's how that works right Sure, why not? I'd actually like that framed on my wall here. Yeah. Next to the diploma I got that I don't use. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people use their diplomas. No, you gotta wave it at people when you go to a job or something, right? It's like, look, I'm a, look, I got a diploma. No, that's when you go wearing your cap and gown. Oh. That's how that works. No wonder I didn't get that job. Yeah. It wasn't a job. <laughs> it was a celebration. Well, now you know. And knowing is half the battle? No, that's a different thing. Oh, all right. This is the story of how Chief O'Brien must suffer once again. Well, why don't you tell us about it? I will. The episode that's called Hard Time. Remember that episode of Next Generation where Captain Picard lives a whole other lifespan and a whole other life in the span of a few minutes? Well, that's just happened to Chief O'Brien. Only instead of a loving family and a life spent pursuing scientific truth, he's had a 20-year prison sentence implanted in his head. The aliens, whom I should note live in the Gamma Quadrant, and wouldn't have done this to Chief O'Brien if he hadn't been in the Gamma Quadrant, accused him of espionage, then tried, convicted, and sentenced him, then carried out the sentence all in the time it took Starfleet to realize what was going on and come rescue him. They shrug as though none of this is particularly unusual, then unplug him from his simulated horror and send him on his way. And this is where the fun begins. Miles returns to the station and tries his best to pick up his life where he left it off 20 years ago. Keiko is... Well, I honestly kept expecting her to be really insensitive about his plate, but she's not, like, at all. Between this and the ma- the cute making a play date with Julian on Miles' behalf scene last week, I'm starting to think we should maybe lay off her for a little while. Nah. Anyway, Miles is really skittish and starts hallucinating a probably imaginary guy called Ichar, whom we eventually learn was his cellmate in pretend prison, until Miles killed him. That's right, never forget, Miles Edward O'Brien killed a guy. Except that he didn't, but he thinks he did. Which seems kind of worse to me, because he has all the soul-crushing guilt without any of the satisfaction that comes from killing a guy. Miles goes through all the various stages of grief, anger, threatening Quark, avoiding a counselor that's been on DS9 this whole time apparently, telling Julian to fuck off, denial, almost hitting Molly, and finally acceptance. By which I mean he sticks a phaser on the highest setting under his chin. And people say this show is dark. Fortunately, Julian stops him before he can private pile himself, and in a pretty goddamn touching scene, talks him off the ledge. And since this episode was not written by Brandon Braga, we don't get a last-minute reveal that everything on the station was also in O'Brien's head, or that it was all just a crazy dream or some kind of time travel resolution where none of it actually happens. 
No, from his perspective, Chief O'Brien actually spent 20 years in a prison cell where he actually murdered his cellmate before finally being set free. And now, imaginary or not, he has to live with the very real psychological repercussions that come with that. DS9, everyone! This episode is fucking fantastic. Yeah, it is. And And probably the darkest episode of Star Trek we've seen up to this point. Absolutely. There's one I'm thinking that, that will be later that may be slightly darker than this, but only just... Yeah, things are bad in this episode. Yeah, and it's it's cool because on the one hand, it's a very personal story that that deals with you know Chief O'Brien and what's going on in his head, but it's also mm. built on a sci-fi thing. Yeah, so it's sort of a uniquely Star Trek thing. Like it's it's rare that they pull off this have your cake and eat it too thing, where it's like we got the situation where Chief O'Brien has this guilt that he's killed a guy. But we also don't have to actually make this likable character a real murderer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's great. They found a loophole to make him have to deal with horrible stuff, but also not ruin the character. Yeah, isn't that just like Chief O'Brien? Killing guys? No, making him think he's a murderer, and somehow that being worse. Yep. Oh, it's absolutely worse. Like I said, I mean, I, I was kind of making a joke, but really... There, there must be some immediate satisfaction that comes from a crime of passion, and he doesn't even get that. I mean, that's definitely something you can think about la- years later. It's like, you know, as bad as my life has been up to up to now, I did murder someone. Yep. That's, uh, that's a feather in my hat. Yeah. I mean, I you always wonder, are you capable of this? Well, I am. I don't think, uh, I mean, you know, Chief O'Brien's murdered people before. Well, in war, it's not really Never murder, in but, cold yeah. blood, but... Yeah. No, this is, or cold sand, as it were. Yes, a lot of sand in that cell. Yep. Well, and that's that's one of those sort of running things, is that uh, the, the dude, Ichar, uh, calms himself by drawing, like, geometric patterns in the sand. Yeah, and it works really well, because that, that dude must be the most laid-back prisoner that ever there was. Well, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and do my quote now, which kind of kind of plays on that, which is which is a fun little... Just, it's a very, like, broad comedy scene, but it, it lightened up the darkness a little, and I like that. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like a Rita hawk picking at a corpse. <laughs> How do you do that? No. Yeah, I feel like this episode needed some broad comedy. Well, I mean, it fit. Is Very broad comedy. It it really it was and it wasn't like someone falling over and and you know in butterscotch or whatever, but it <laughs> was still, you know it lightened things because we definitely needed to lighten things a little yeah. bit. Yeah, or Quark getting a pie in the face or something. Yeah, but um, no, this was this was brutal. And the thing is, I I've talked about how I think um, Alexander Siddig and also Colmini are sort of limited actors in that there's a certain comfort zone for them, but they're both squarely in that comfort zone in this one, and they they both fucking bring it. Oh, absolutely. They're just, they're both so good. I mean, if you want to watch just, like, Chief O'Brien be miserable for an hour, yeah. man, you were in luck. Well, and this was your good thing, right? That is my good thing. Like, look, we all know Colmini, good actor. Yeah. Like, dude is so good that he went from being a background guy to having his own fucking spinoff, but... Man, does he bring it in this episode. Yeah, he does. Like, I mean, ignoring the entire rest of the episode, his confession scene with Julian is one of the most brutal, heartbreaking things I've ever seen on Star Trek. Like, when he's pouring his heart out about, like, he fucking almost beat, he almost hit his daughter, and he killed a guy, and just everything is horrible, and he's got a phaser up to his fucking head. Yeah. Holy shit! It, it's it's a powerful image to see, you know, we've seen guys handling phasers for years and years, and, mm. and we've never seen, like, because everything's fine in the future, and no one would ever do that. Yeah, that's the thing. If anyone kills themselves on Star Trek, it's usually like a, an honorable sacrifice thing. We don't get well, we've had depressed... that, Or we had that one episode of Next Gen where it ends up there was psychic ghosts or some bullshit. Yeah. Remember, like, the, the person who threw themselves into the warp core because... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, like, I don't think we've ever seen a guy just put a gun to his fucking head. And, no. Like, like, a soldier who's dealt with some serious shit who can't handle it anymore. Yeah. Like, just decides to end it all. Yeah, like, that is... 
That may be the least Star Trek thing I can think of. And what's nice is they hang a, a lantern on the whole Gene's ideal future, like people don't do this anymore. Like he says, he specifically, mm. and this is good. I think they needed to do this because people, like we've said before, Way of the Warrior was sort of another backdoor pilot. They were they were trying to get people like into the show from this point. So like there's a lot of people just sort of starting to join DS9 at this point. And it's very important to say, look, Yes, Gene's future, but and and so he very specifically says, when I grew up, I was always told that that humans were were more enlightened. But I I don't know, man. And it's it's a really great speech. Yep. And it's again, it's important to establish. We've been in this Star Trek world for so long. It's important to establish that people know this. And we're not going back on that. Mm-hmm. But that certain circumstances can make you maybe not ideal. Yeah. And you know. Post-traumatic stress is a real thing that happens, and I don't mm. think we would have cured that in the future. Like, No, it's not like you can just take a pill for that. And honestly, the fact that we've established that humans are so, like, great and smug and always do the right thing sets you up even more for that failure in a way, because the whole idea of, of post-traumatic stress is your brain is not equipped to handle what's happened to you. Yeah. Like, you're, you can't... You can't just... you, you That set of experiences is outside your brain's normal capacity to deal with things and if these smug future people never see anything bad then it seems like it would hit them twice as hard you would think right yeah like going from being you know like you know happy starfleet guy to being in a shitty cell with no furniture made of rocks for 20 years like that hits hard yep and then being, you know, gradually getting yourself to a psychological point where you feel justified killing a guy for a brief yep. minute. And then it's, you know, and then someone flicks the switch. It's like, oh, no, never happened. And that's that's one of the that... things like I, I alluded to that in my summary. The, <laughs> this is this is the inner light. This is the same story, only yeah. super fucked up. Yeah. Like it was a it was a mind blowing thing and it was very sweet and you know yeah flute solo I cried whatever but I, this is like the same concept only wow yeah Chief O'Brien doesn't get a flute solo <laughs> nope he gets nothing he gets to yeah. throw sand in somebody's eyes and snap his neck he gets to murder his best friend yep his best friend who let's be clear was saving food for both of them I'm I'm not real clear. What the end game for Icha was there? Well, what I, my my sort of interpretation was, uh, they hadn't, and again, this is all pretend, but but in the simulation, they hadn't gotten food for a week or ten days or whatever, yeah. and they always squirreled a little away because this happens sometimes. And I think maybe his thought was this might go on longer than this, and you know, I'm saving this until we're nearly dead because it could be a long time. Yeah, like that's sort of the idea. But then he goes to a little hole to dig it out. And it's just, what, what was your plan here, Ichao? Are you going to wake him up? Surprise! Yeah, yeah, that I don't know. Have a crust of bread. Yeah. Well, okay, so what we really need to get into is the, this very specific nature of this punishment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ichar was not real. No. He was part of the simulation. Like, they specifically built him into the 20-year simulation. Yeah, like... This is a very specific part of, like, I feel like this is just one more thing that makes this even more awful and cruel, is that, like, he murdered his best friend who doesn't exist and never did. Okay, but but I want to look at it from the perspective of these aliens, and I didn't write their names down, and I don't remember who they were. But yeah, it's a... It doesn't matter. Fucking, they're a throwaway race that we I don't think we see again. They're Fucking just, green Bajorans. Yeah, well, they're like green, they're like Cardassians, really, like... I, this feels like it should have been a Cardassian story, but we already did. Chief O'Brien's in a Cardassian prison, so they wanted to do it a little different. They want him so badly. God, they do. It's like if we can break Chief O'Brien, we can break Starfleet. Yeah, that's that's really it. Yeah, it's it's similar to what the Klingon lawyer was doing last week. Mm-hmm. Like this, this it might just feel like we're bringing one guy down, but this has huge symbolic potential here. Yeah, we we beat him. We won. Right. Um, but the the thing is like. Okay, so they they build this this simulation. They give you a pretend friend in there. Do they then like the choice to kill him presumably was Chief O'Brien's. Like yes. presumably he had simulated free will. Like his brain was still making choices, I yeah, assume. Yeah, like I mean in as much as it was a choice and not like, you know, a spur of the moment mistake, but uh Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is like 
that I think that would cheapen the the trauma of it mm-hmm. to then say, oh no no, the simulation always ends with you killing him. Like that's part of it. You feel like you did it yourself, but really we made you do it. Like that yeah. would cheapen it. That the idea is that he really made that decision and did it himself. Yeah. And so, so the point of that that guy Echar is to give the prisoners a friend, I guess. It's a weird because what we find out, like from what I could figure, like each prisoner that they put into this thing sort of fabricates their own sort of worst prison idea. I I didn't really think that, but okay. But like the idea of them just programming in, like, and here's your friend. See, I thought. My my because they weren't real clear and they didn't need to be clear. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just trying to pick it apart because this is what we do. Yeah. But I don't I didn't need this information. I'm just kind of curious. I kind of thought maybe they had a bunch of people sort of jacked into this thing at the same time and maybe that's an actual other guy mm. lying on a table somewhere else and they just sort of matched them up in the same cell. Like a matrix. We're both in the matrix, but we're meeting in the matrix kind of thing. Yeah. But th- then it's like, no, it's, he's probably pretend. And it, yeah. it doesn't matter, ultimately. I don't know. I think it's worse than if he's not a real person. I, I honestly don't think it matters. I think the whole point is that Chief O'Brien thinks he killed someone. Right. And he's got to deal with that. It doesn't matter if he was real or not real. If it doesn't, you know, it, it, it makes no difference whatsoever. Mm. It's all about what happened, you know, to him and his emotions and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, all this said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to my bad thing. Please do. How does the Federation keep dealing with cultures that just bring this kind of bullshit on them? This does tend to keep happening. Like, I mean, the 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 most uh, obvious one is uh, Wesley falling and breaking a greenhouse on Justice Planet and being put to death. Yep. But this this happens a lot. It seems like Starfleet would have a team of diplomats and lawyers or something that study a culture down to its most obscure laws to protect against this kind of thing, which happens all the time. Yeah, like this is the kind of thing you want to catch. Before it's an issue, you know? Like, okay, this is a warp culture, so Prime Directive doesn't apply. However, they do have this weird thing about saying words that start with G. So whatever you do, don't, just don't. Don't say words that start with G or they will kill you. Or whatever, you know, like, because they're alien cultures. Who knows? They got weird, you know, cultural differences. Mm -hmm. Don't offend them. Or this is a culture where if you don't greet them perfectly, they will vaporize you. Yeah. We've and for seen, some reason, we don't have a problem with that. Yeah, we, but we still want to trade with them because, hey, they got some great spices here or yep. whatever. I don't know. I assume that's what all spacefaring races are always trying to get from each other. Yeah, just like uh, just like in, in the terrestrial world, just like in olden like sailing days, it's all about spices. Well, yeah, because replicator food is very bland, so you need to spice it up somehow. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. But really, like, I, 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 I've known people, you know, I used to work around military guys, and they would have stories of, like, okay, the, the like, the Navy guys, the ship would go dock in some foreign port, and before they went, they would get briefed. They would say, okay, this culture does not believe in this. Like, yeah. there's no drinking here. Don't drink off the base, or they're going to get very angry at you. Or, what? Yeah. you know, whatever. Like, the prostitutes here all have syphilis. Don't yeah. mess with them. You know, they, they give them a very basic rundown of the culture so you know what to expect. Yeah. And you'd think the Starfleet would do that here. Chief mm-hmm. O'Brien, please keep your eyes only on the mission. If you look at their computers, they're going to think you're a spy, so just don't even turn your head. Yeah. But they don't. They just, this keeps happening. And I understand that it's it's necessary for the story, but how many times there, there wouldn't happen? be a post atomic horror if we didn't poke holes in this kind of crap. Yeah, exactly. And again, I I feel I feel almost bad poking holes in this kind of thing just because this episode well, is it's almost so a perfect episode. Yeah, I mean, there's some like really when you dig into this premise, it's kind of dumb, but mm. but it's done so well that it doesn't matter. Yeah, at all. It's just it's so like. I, what I really loved was that, it like, the inner light was cool because this was all happening to Picard and we weren't really sure, we weren't really sure until the end, and the probe stops and it's like, fuck, I was living this other life, and that was kind of the twist. Mm. In this, they give they get that out of the way up front. In the teaser, you know. He's already been in 20 years of prison and now he's going back. Like that's, yeah. And we get the information about HR and what happened and everything via flashback. I like that because... We've already done that twist. Let's move on. Like, you're telling a different story. It's not about the the shocking realization that it wasn't real. It's about yeah. something else. And I like that. 
No, if, if they had just played this off as like, oh yeah, he's been in jail for twenty years, like we wouldn't have bought it. Right, but they and they immediately you know, get that out of the way and just get to the story, which is about him and the ramifications. Yeah, exactly. And I like that. I like like it's it's not about him going to jail; it's about him getting out of jail. Right. It's about post traumatic stress. Yeah, and going to Mexico to open up a uh, hotel with Andy Dufresne. Yes, that is exactly what it's about. And, and mm. he had a poster of Keiko up like the whole time, and uh, the warden was fine with that. <laughs> Look, we got to give major props to Keiko to this in this. Oh episode. God, yeah. Like I said in my summary, I kept expecting her to say, "Miles, stop being weird," mm-hmm. and she never once. She was always like really understanding, even when he lashes out at Molly. Yep. She like she holds Molly like, "No, this is not cool," but. Yeah, she doesn't like, give him a look like you monster. She gives no, him a look just, like you need to go. Oh, you yeah. need to leave. You need to leave. You need help. This is not great. Come back yeah. when you're better. Yeah. Not get out and never come back. Yeah. It's not safe for you to be here right now. Yeah. And that's like that's good. That's I'm glad that they're making Keiko like they're giving her more dimensions and like because mm-hmm. she really does love her husband despite all the you know <laughs> evidence to the contrary. Yep. No that uh, that year away really good for their marriage. Apparently so. Yep. I that happens feel, sometimes. I do feel like the writers were like, you know, people are starting to say things. <laughs> and it's really not fair for Rosalind Chow to just be awful. You guys heard this podcast from the future? These guys really don't like Keiko. We should probably do something about that. I mean, look, one of their listeners wrote a song. Have you heard this? Jeez. It's catchy, though. That was a good song. Yeah, it was. Um, well, we should end the episode with this. <laughs> Um, my, my good thing though is, uh, I'm so glad, like I say, they didn't cop out at the end and say that it was like his time at the station was part of the dream. Yeah. It wasn't like, like we really could have done this. Like there's a million ways out of this or like, it it would be the easiest thing in the world to just have Dr. Bashir inject him with something that made him forget. Well, and in the last two minutes, they're walking down the corridor toward his quarters and he hands him a hypo. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. And he says, this will not make the memories go away. This will help you sleep better and take the edge off. That is all. Yeah. And it's like, good. That is how it works in the real world. Yep. Like, we don't have a cure for depression. This will help you cope, but it's still there. Yeah. And this is the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's good because, like, we had, I mean, the thing is, we had a situation like this in Next Gen. We had the uh, Geordi was brainwashed and, and has to deal with that. And they just never dealt with it again. Mm-hmm. And they may never bring this up again, but you know Chief O'Brien. Like, it just, I don't know. It feels more... It d- that doesn't mean it's gone. Right. It feels more plausible here. And actually, it's, it, like, you know, it seems like something he probably wouldn't talk about a whole lot. Well, yeah. Definitely not. Like, you know, mentally, like, well or not, like, I don't think that's the kind of thing he's going to bring up at Quartz. Just like, well, when I was in prison. Yeah. No, it's... Fake it's... prison, but still... I mean, like, I, I don't know, uh, my, my grandfather was in World War II, and he never talked about it. Like, I asked him stuff, and he just didn't want to talk about it. Like, when yeah. you go through, like, really intense, brutal stuff, you don't, you don't want to remember. Yeah, you don't want to talk don't, about it. Yeah, you don't, no. And that's fair. Um, this is not something you need. Yeah. And, you know, because I was a dumb kid, I'm like, tell me about war. Did you kill a guy? And he's uh-huh. like, no, no, Don, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Don't, not, don't talk about it. And no. so, yeah, um... But I like it, and, and that's sort of what makes that that scene, that, that sort of climactic Bashir talks him off the ledge scene so much more powerful, is because he doesn't want to talk about it, yeah. but he kind of has to. What's that guilt thing? Just like, I can't let people know that I am a murderer. And this whole time, Ichars keeps appearing to him in the station yeah. and saying, don't, t- talk to Julian, don't make the same mistake you did with me. Like don't, don't, don't kill him. Don't kill Julian. Yeah, is that what you're saying? I don't want to kill Julian. Well, I actually kind of do want to kill Julian a little. He's very needy this episode. <laughs> they, but he was like, between being his doctor and being his friend, like yeah. he just he was in a unique place where like, look, I know Keiko wants to help. I know this this counselor that's been here the whole time who says he hasn't. Yep. Wants to help, but I'm the guy. I'm I'm your best friend and I'm your doctor. I'm, yeah. I'm the guy that has to do this. And he never backs off which i love he just keeps coming around and that's what you have to do mm-hmm. in a situation like this or you know they're they're gonna like chief o'brien works around a lot of dangerous stuff he, yeah! he could just jump out an airlock he could he could point the wrong end of a tool at himself he could jump into the reactor like there's a that's, million ways um, it's kind of my bad thing 
Oh. Um, I know Julian, you know, he shows up right at the end for the, the suicide thing. Um, I feel like there should probably have been someone keeping an eye on, uh, on the Chief for a lot of this episode. He spends a lot of time wandering off by himself, and it's pretty clear that he is not okay. Okay, but until the point that things reach sort of ahead when Cisco relieves him of duty. Yeah, that's when, that's when. But I'm saying, that's when he angrily throws his comm badge down. Yep. And for the first time, you can't track where he is. Yeah. To that point... That's why you get someone to follow... Like, we can have people on Suicide Watch now, and we don't have comm badges. Well, right. But I'm saying, to that point, they had, like... Like, for all I know, like, Chief... Or, uh, uh, Dr. Bashir said a thing to the computer, like, tell me if Chief O'Brien gets near any of these dangerous things, please. Mm. And then when he takes his comm badge off, it's like... And that I feel like... That could have been the point where Bashir goes, Computer, where is Chief O'Brien? Uh, he's not wearing his comm badge. Oh, shit. I better fucking find him then. And he, so he runs to all those dangerous places, and he finds him in one of them. Hitting every weapon locker on the station. Yep. Oh, thank Christ he was at the first one I checked. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't know. The, the standard, and I don't know how this works in real life. Thank goodness I haven't really dealt with this situation. Yeah. Like, from either end. But... Uh, I don't know how it works. Like, in movies, sometimes they'll just have the gun pointed at themselves for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know if that's realistic, but that is how it happens dramatically. So he he probably had time, is what I'm saying. They don't usually just go through with it in a a TV show or a movie. No, that's true. Um, I'm going to admit I don't entirely know how suicide works, so... Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. But, you know, like, on TV, that tends to be... But that said, yeah, they did TV it up a little, but it's still pretty raw it's a it's look the 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 second he opens the weapons locker yeah and you realize what he's doing i just like i literally just like alone in my room just went oh shit yeah because this is not something we have on star trek a whole lot no we we see like we see people doubting their sanity or we see because it's always some crazy sci-fi thing that's making them crazy or some you know like whatever but but no this was just about Again, it's about the aftermath. It's not about the sci-fi thing. Mm-hmm. That's what got us here. But it's about like we had the the one the what, what's the next gen episode with Riker and the play. Oh yeah, where he's lo- yeah no that guy like flat out losing his mind, but he never puts a fucking gun in his mouth. But um, that's what I'm saying, and it wouldn't have been as powerful anyway because no, Chief O'Brien's aftermath is 100 percent real. Yeah. Whereas Riker was still in the midst of a fake thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was about that. It wasn't about his... Like, this is only about what's going in Chief O'Brien's head and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it different. That's what makes it so, like, real and powerful. And it's it's brutal. Yeah. And it's nice to see humans reacting like humans. Like, you, you know, you can talk about Gene's vision all you want and how about we're better in the future and whatever, but we're still humans and we're still going to react to certain things certain ways. Yeah. That's just how it goes. <laughs> Future can be magical, but people are still fucking broken. Yeah, I mean, we might be better. We might have emerged from our, like, squabbling over resources on our planet because we have better resources and blah, blah, blah. Like, in some ways, we might have improved. But but we still, when awful things happen to us that our brains don't know how to wrap themselves around, we we might, like, panic a little bit. Yeah. It's just... (laughs) And in a way, that's good. We shouldn't be able to look at something like that and just shrug it off. Yeah. Like, eh, in a way, that's sort of still Star Trek by saying it's, you know, he needs, like, and this is kind of what Julian says. You need to feel guilty about this. The fact that you do feel guilty means that there's still humanity in there. Yeah. And so, in a way, it's still sort of reinforcing that vision of, of it's good to be human. It's just less, um, pat. Yeah, and it's and it's less ham-handed. Yeah, exactly. But it is, but it really sort of at the center of it, he is still a good man because he had one moment of weakness and now he feels terrible about it forever. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's good. Uh, what else? Um, let's see here. I was, I was really uh, amazed that there is a counselor on DS9. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not surprising. And in fact... <laughs> Without spoiling anything, we will be introduced to one later in the series. Mm. So I suppose, you know. What was it you said to me while we were watching the episode? It's like, oh, they realize that the counselor's not an interesting character, so they didn't put him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's just working in the back somewhere. like You know, doing his job. Right. Nobody cares about the counselor's adventures. 
Although I like uh, when he when uh, O'Brien's listening to Julie and all the crap that the counselor's been asking him. Yeah. It's just like, how many times did they beat me? Were the bathroom facilities not up to par? <laughs> and I just picture like a Vulcan therapist sitting there with a checkboard. And how many times did they beat you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this isn't really helping me. Mm-hmm. And uh, how were the toilet facilities? Adequate? Do, do we even have toilets? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> no, they don't. didn't have toilet facilities. It was a big sandbox. Yep. What do you think happened? I pooed in a corner. <laughs> like a cat, buried it in the sand. Yep. And then I dug it up while I was drawing circles. Yep. Now, draw a circle, draw a line, draw Spider-Man. <laughs> now let's put some happy trees over here. And, uh, this is how we killed, uh, 20 years. And this is how I killed you. <laughs> Fucking Echa. Really good at tic-tac-toe. Yeah. That bastard. Or, um, Pictionary. Yep. What's this? Gee, it's a jail cell. <laughs> oh, golly, Miles, is it freedom? <laughs> I do like, they're, they're going back to the acting a bit. There's a great, like, in the teaser, they come and say, okay, your, your sentence is up, you're free. And he's got this perfect sort of blank, like he's been in this place on his own. He doesn't he doesn't understand what it means anymore. He's like, free. Where would I go? Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's wow. Yeah. Of course, I couldn't resist seeing him with his like ridiculous long tatty, you know, hair and beard. Going, it's <laughs> doesn't help that it's right at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, too. exactly. He, he might as well just run up to the camera. <laughs> And then you cut to, like, Cisco behind a desk going, and now for something completely different. <laughs> we go to Garrick for the dead sweater sketch. <laughs> Mr. Garrick, I've been told that you're selling dead sweaters. <laughs> of course not, Counselor. This sweater is clearly alive. <laughs> All right, anything else? And so on in that fashion. Yes, and, and so on in that fashion. Um, I think... That's it. This is a really good fucking episode. It was. It was. It was like way up there in in like as, as the Chief O'Brien must suffer episodes go. This may be the best one. Yeah. Oh, um, one last thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a nice little scene where uh, we have Jake teaching Chief O'Brien how to be an engineer again, basically. Oh yeah, which is a great callback to like season one or two when Jake is gonna be Chief O'Brien's assistant for a little while. Yeah. I forgot how long that sort of, how that kept paying off. Like, I thought that was just a one-off thing in season one. Yeah. But, like, that's come back a whole lot. Yeah, it has. It's pretty cool. And it's just a nice little scene with, um, like, uh, don't don't tell me I know what this is. It's a sonic screwdriver, Chief. <laughs> uh, Basically, if you have again. any trouble, it will just solve it instantly. If you had had this well in jail, you would have been out of there in about five seconds. Yep. You could have just run through all the caves. <clears throat> that and a piece of psychic paper and you're all set yeah Th- this says i'm allowed to uh, this says i'm allowed to leave i just realized keiko is the donna of star trek yeah okay moving on moving on uh why don't you t- oh god right yeah yeah remember what i said about we got a great one and a not great one well yeah matt you tell us about the not great one something something mirror yeah this is a. Uh... The amount of times this up during this episode, I'm like, what the fuck is this thing called? Shattered mirror, broken mirror, dark mirror, through a dark mirror, mirror? It doesn't help me that I just started watching this uh, pretty great uh, British anthology show called Black Mirror. Yeah. So that, that added to my confusion. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So Jake returns from a fulfilling evening of writing, specifically staring into space, waiting for inspiration to hit. Yeah, we've all been there, Jake. Get yourself a writing partner to yell at you. I find that gets the creative juices flowing marvelously. (laughs) To discover that his parents having dinner, which would be fine if his mother wasn't really most sincerely dead. See, it turns out this is Jennifer from the Mirror Universe, and she's here to talk with Ben. Unfortunately, Ben gets pulled away on emissary business, and Jennifer offers Jake a tour of, of her much shittier DS9. Well, who could pass up an opportunity to see firsthand the place she normally lived, but splattered liberally with the blood of dead slaves? <laughs> Jake heads right the fuck over, making this the easiest kidnapping ever. Ben follows Jake to the Mirror Universe, where Mirror O'Brien, or ugh, Smiley, as everyone insists he be called, tells Ben that they need his help. Again. 
See, the Resistance may have won back Terroknor, but the Klingon-Cardassian alliance is on its way to take it back. And uh, last time Smiley visited, he stole the plans for the Defiant, which shouldn't have been that easy, but here we are. So now he and his near and his mere buddies have built their own, but they need Cisco's help getting it to work. And, you know, if he doesn't, they'll kill his son. Speaking of said son, Jake is getting really close to his mere mother. Like, real close. Like, creepy close. Like, whining and dining her close. And if that weren't enough, Jake is also harassing bar owner and frequent Randy Newman victim Nog, who wants nothing to do with Jake's weird alternate universe. I can see his point at this, uh, frankly. Meanwhile, evil Mere Worf is on his way to the station with evil Mere Garrick in tow. Literally. Like, he's got Garrick on a fucking leash. They spend most of the episode flirting with each other. Ben prepares for the attack by visiting hot, I mean evil Kira, and getting help from her, which she happily gives him, and then stings his fake wife to death like so much River Transverse and Scorpion. <laughs> Luckily, her info is sound, and Ben is able to fix the Defiant enough that they can beat back evil Worf and his giant evil Klingon ship. Ben and Jake return home to their actual universe where nobody is insufferable, and Jake pines for his beautiful, single, dead mother. Yeah, we both picked up on a very distinctive mother boy vibe there. Oh my god. Also, real quick, Randy Newman victim? Uh, is that a short people got That's no reason to live? That's a short people got okay. no reason to live joke, That's yeah. what I thought. Okay, yeah. well, well done. Thank you. But yeah, there was definitely a creepy, like, Jake was, like, ugh, yeah. It, like, really, like, at, at first you're just like, oh, he's really, you know, he's happy to see his mother, he's trying to impress his mother, and just, yeah. but then he's like, your hands are so smooth. I haven't, I never thought I would touch these hands again. Real thing I, that he said. It's... It's not just that she looks like mom, it's that she acts like mom. And she smells, she smells like her, like too. Ugh. Yeah. Really starting to creep me out over here, Jake. Okay, here's the thing. From the pilot, from, from the very first episode, it was very clear that one of the running threads of this series would be how will this poor man and his poor son deal with the fact that, that, that their wife and mother are, are dead? Mm-hmm. And this completely just, uh, oh, here she is. She's fine. Yeah. Like, it it's very much undermines, like, like the first time it was like, oh, wow. So, suddenly Ben gets to meet Jennifer, and it's really weird for him. And they played it that way. Yeah. This time it's just like, oh, look, it's Jennifer. And Jake's like, wow, hi. Hey, how you doing? And then he's like, how you doing? Which is another layer of, of unsettlingness. But, but just what I'm talking about is it really cheapens... The, one of the basic emotional arcs of the series, which is them getting over this and moving past it. Yeah. And now it's just, eh, we can we can visit an almost identical version of her, and it's fine, and we're all fine. Yeah. What? And, like, I think Ben should be a better parent than this. Well, like, yes. Here, like, first of all, here's, here, like, this hit me the first time just, when Jake walks into his quarters and his dead mother's just sitting on the couch. Like, yep. this is the kind of thing where she shows up, the first thing Ben should be doing is like, okay, I need you to sleep over at, like, Dax's or something tonight. Yeah, we need to not... You need, like, yeah. you... There is nothing... There's top-secret Starfleet stuff going yeah. on in here. That's it. Yeah. But, I mean, like, literally no good can possibly come of you meeting your dead mother. No. At all. Think about that. Think about how horrible that would be if you yeah. lost your mom when you were what thirteen when you were or fourteen, or, yeah, like early teens at best, maybe twelve or thirteen. I'm thinking, but yeah. I, I don't remember exactly. Now you're nineteen and she's just here. Yeah, and she's hanging out with your and, dad. Yeah, like that. Oh my god. And like he's clearly like they even say this in the episode. He's trying to hook them back up again. Yeah, it's really. Really psychologically damaging. It is. And this then is a there's bad the, thing. Then there's the extra layer of, like we said, it really comes off as this creepy incesty thing. And I don't know if that was in the writing. I don't know if it was in the acting. I don't know what happened there, but it you cannot but deny. We both independently, like we watched this separately first. Yeah. That, that's how we do this. We watch them separately and then we watch them together. And we both picked up on it. So it's definitely there. Yep. And it's creepy. It's in my notes, actually. It's like, remember to ask Al about the incest thing. Because and then you no scrolled up and looked at my notes and said, nope, he, you saw it. There, there it is. Yep. yep. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a big chunk of this episode. That was. Um, this not very good episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into my bad thing, though. 
I'm okay. I'm really sick of the mirror universe, and I said this the first time that the show would run it into the ground, and we're only in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. I think we got two more of these, maybe three At more of these. At least two left. more episodes of this, yeah. Yeah, and I should really not feel that way about this about an idea like this. First of all, no, because the mirror a, universe concept is cool. It is, and we could explore different aspects of it, or I don't know something. Mm-hmm. But what really bothers me is how ridiculously casual everyone is about jumping back and forth between universes at this point. It's like, yep. it's right next door. Let's go. Oh, we need some help. Let's go see Ben. Mm-hmm. I'll just walk through this door that leads to a different universe. Yeah. Like the first time, like the first time it happens back on the original series. It's it was like, a mistake. It was a mistake. Second time it was because of the profits or something. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But now it's just like, oh, yeah, no, we have a door now. Yeah, it does. Like all you need to do is is run this lightsaber over your computer, and suddenly you've got yourself a mirror universe transporter. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing to stop us from going back and forth now. Yeah, and there should be. Yes, like it's, a, it's another universe. It this should is be not nigh impossible to get to. Yeah, this should not be <clears throat> like you should not be able to go over to the mirror universe to pick up some mirror milk. Right, which comes from. I don't know. Mere cows. <laughs> yes. Evil, sinister cows who well, cows, love uh, no, cows round are, in the agony booth. Cows are already evil, actually. I, well, yeah. So they're good cows. Right. Which makes the milk better. Sure. Anyway, uh, this sort of ties into your bad thing, though. Just the, the idea that they keep popping over. Yeah, I get the distinct feeling that by constantly visiting the prime reality to sort out their problems, the mirror universe is starting to get real lazy. Mm-hmm. Like, we got a problem? Fuck it, let's go pull Cisco out of the prime reality, see what he can do to help us. Matt, you guys need to learn to stand on your own two feet. The next thing you're going to be doing is trying to get help from our Spock. <laughs> well, that would never happen. Like, do you really need, like, someone to hold your hand through everything? That would make they for would... a bad Star Trek story if that it, happened. It sure would ruin the episode if they just pulled, you know, Spock out of nowhere to come save the day. Yeah, hey, we don't know what to do, we need your help. Oh, I'm still bugged about that. That's because it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Anyway. No, you're right. And, okay, the fact that they're building a Defiant. Yep. One, should be impossible. Yeah. Two, it's really lazy storytelling. Yep. It's That's <laughs> some second Death Star shit right there. Yeah, even that was like, okay, this is the background of more important stuff. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, the Death Star was just a thing. It didn't, like, it, w- it was really supposed to be about, you know, Luke and Vader and, and whatever, but, like, it didn't matter. But this, the, the main focus is we're building a Defiant. Yep. Like, that's what the whole thing is about. And like, yeah. Ugh. And it looks just like our Defiant. Yes. Because they wanted to save, I'm sure, on building a, a new model, and they just wanted to show, show the same ship. Ugh. Yeah. Which is fine for production, but, I mean, like, we're talking about, like, a universe where, like, they had to build this thing with crap lying around the station. Yeah, they don't have a Starfleet with the re- with the resources of Starfleet and and shipyards that have been around for hundreds of years that have perfected the art of shipbuilding. No, this thing should look. I mean, like honestly, it should look like the Defiant built out of garbage. Right. Like there should be stop signs and shit welded to but it. But no, they've got the duranium or whatever it is that they build starships out of. Like it's all fine. Yeah, it's just lying around. Yep. Apparently so. It just it and and the thing is the defiant is unique in our universe. There's only one defiant yeah. because it's this super powerful prototype ship, mm-hmm. and they just build build one. Sure. Yeah. Now Listen, there's two. Chief O'Brien is great. Let's not let's not lie. He's great at fixing things, but yeah. I don't think he could build something from scratch. No. Not like that, anyway. And that's the other thing. Like, like Cisco fucking designed this thing. No, he was he was involved with the team. He's not right, an engineer, but, I mean, but he's no, but he no, but he is a professional. Like he is a shipbuilder. That's in his backstory. Right, but well, he's like he's like a leader of shipbuilders. But like, I don't think he. What I'm saying is, I don't think he has the specific skills and the specific engineering. Like he probably knows this part should go here, but yeah. he doesn't know how to build the part. No, my my thinking with him has always been. I thought he was like a ship architect almost. Yeah, but I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he has the specific architect skills. Oh, like. I think no, he's I, got. I think he's got a broad knowledge of it, and I think he's got a leadership role. But I don't uh, think okay. he knows. Like I don't think he could build a ship. I think he could well, lead a team that can build a ship. But but he did build a ship. Not he by built himself. a ship out of wood. Well, okay, but that was that was using like he didn't he didn't invent that. Okay. The Defiant was fabricated from an idea. He just was building to it like he was building a huge model. Right. 
Like that's different. You know, okay. you understand what I mean? The distinction yes. is he I don't think he has the type of brain that could invent a type of warp engine or a type of phaser or you know oh, what I mean? Like, yeah, no. No. He's not that kind of a thinker. But he he knows how parts go together. He knows this team should be working this, this part should be stressed, this, you know, whatever. Right. Okay, I follow you. Like, and that's an important guy. I'm not. I'm not trying to to belittle, like, diminish what he does at all. Like, he was Cisco, a big part of Cisco, you should feel bad about how little you build ships. Hey. Well, you know, there's a there's a tendency to say these are the creative guys and management doesn't do anything. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But I don't think he he has the skills to create a thing. Is what mm. I'm saying. All right. I could be totally wrong on that. That's just been my interpretation. Is that, like, you know, that's what he does. Mm. But in any case, he couldn't have invented the defiant. Like, it just doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't no. work, and it's cheap, and it's lazy. It's very lazy. And, like, laziness has started to feel like a theme with these episodes. And it shouldn't, because it's the third one. Yeah. But it's so, just like, oh, the Mirror Universe. Well, this is going to be lazy. What new aspect of this are we going to see? Oh, none? None new aspects. We're going to see some old aspects. I mean, really, the entire point of this appears to be Michael Dorn's part of the cast. He hasn't had a chance to camp it up yet. Let's yeah. include him. And oh, does he camp. Well, and this is, I, I mean, my good thing specifically was, was uh, I worded this just to be a dick. I said, it feels cheap to say to not visitor again, but if the show is going to repeat itself, so am I. <laughs> but, but overall, I still, and again, this feels so not me. But I do like the campy aspect of it. I liked, I loved the first time Avery Brooks we saw, tr like, actual mirror Cisco. Fucking pirate Avery Brooks with his hands on his hips going, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, throwing his head back and laughing and slapping his knee and just, like, being crazy. Like, that yeah. was fun. And, and you know, intended Kira. And and there's more of that here with, with super evil Worf and and um, uh, Garrick on a chain. Yep. It's, it's crazy go nuts. And there's so little of that. Mm -hmm. Like Kira's in a cell. We get two scenes of her. Yep. And I mean, she rocks those two scenes. She Let's absolutely does. There's a, there's a thing where where Bashir uh, they have like an agonizer. It's probably just an agonizer. Yep. And he zaps her with it, and she says, "Yeah, I barely felt that. You're gonna have to turn that up." Like that. She's that's fucking badass. Yeah. I love it. But no, my my favorite scene of the episode is uh, I almost use this as my quote until a much better line presented itself, <laughs> uh, where. Some dude, and we've seen this guy before, he's the guy with the eye poked out. Yeah. <clears throat> and she goes to him, you know, uh... I'm sure we can make some arrangement for, for me to go free and you to be happy, too. Yeah. And the guy's like, you killed my wife. And she goes, I was just about to ask if you were married. This works out <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. No, her, she and Garrick, and, and now Worf to some extent, mm -hmm. but really are the only ones that truly get to do the fun part. Garrick, like... There's a, there's a ridiculous scene that you pointed out makes no sense and really just sort of pads the episode out, where Worf thinks that Garrick has stolen the key to his to his collar. Yep. And he's like, "Did you swallow it?" And Garrick just has this ridiculous, "I I'm very particular about what I eat." Yeah. And it's it's so like Oscar Wilde pithy. Yeah. Like it's it's perfect. If you were wondering if there's a way to make Garrick more fay, well, you're in luck. I mean, this is bondage, Garrick. This is straight yep. up. I'm on a leash. Yep. I am. I am clearly the uh, the sub in this relationship. But that said, it, it, you know, it, it's not like there's not enough of this. Mm -hmm. There needs to be like, if you're gonna do this, you need to do, like your agonizer, please, and we all move up in rank. Like, yeah. chew it. Like, fucking go nuts. But yeah. Like, they, there's too much boringness. The problem we spend most of our time with. Uh, Jennifer and uh, Chief O'Brien. Right. And they're the two most bland characters in the entire episode. And we say that coming off an episode where Chief O'Brien, living inside his head for an hour, was brutal and fascinating. Yeah. Like, it's not the character. It's the character in this setting. Yeah, like, mere Jennifer at this point is <sighs> just Jennifer. Yeah, she's just... And Jennifer's fucking boring. She yeah. was boring. She's been boring since the first time she showed up. And that's mostly the actor. I just don't think she's that great. Yeah. She's she's not a bad actor. She just doesn't bring... She's not as intense as Avery Brooks. She's not as compelling. Like, she's... Just, I have a hard time believing she would hold his interest. Yeah. He should be into someone who's, you know, really Fine. passionate and really yeah. interesting. And she's just... Meh. Like, I... There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of story potential in 
like, Jake's mother from another universe fucking kidnapping him and being horrible and different. Well, that's what I'm saying. Either you go crazy camp and everything's nuts and just have fun and be stupid, or you do a more serious episode where we deal with the serious psychological ramifications of shit this is my dead mother this is weird and bad but they didn't do either of those things yeah and so we're in this sort of middle ground that's just like eh. and i don't care because they've established they've killed odo they've killed quark they've killed rom now they've killed nog yep we have no ferengi left (laughs) right but i mean they, they will kill supporting characters they will kill main characters like it, the stakes don't matter because they'll kill who they want. They've established yeah. that, and it doesn't make... Uh, uh, Mira Sisko is dead off screen. I don't know if he comes back because we haven't seen a body, but he's, yeah, I, I, think I he's honestly dead. don't remember. No, I hope I think he, I hope dead. he comes back because I fucking love him. But yeah, uh, but again, that's let's go crazy camp, and Avery Brooks is great at that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like they've they've clearly established they can kill whoever they want, and so therefore, first of all, we're not invested in their cause because we don't no. care because we only spend one episode a year here at best. Yeah. But other, like, okay, they might die on this mission. Yep, right. they sure might. Well, whatever. Our guys I, I'm pretty okay if someone kills Mir Julian. I'm a little sick of that guy. Oh, yeah. But it's like, it, it just, none of it matters because there's nothing at stake because they will kill guys and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just, ugh. It's, it's not interesting. No. It's just a lot of, like, uh, whatever. Yep. Like, you know, all I can think is there's cool shit happening over in our universe. Yeah. How about that war that's supposed to be coming? I'd like to hear more about that, please. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy espionage and, like, changeling doubles and, like, Starfleet, like, turning in on itself because of, like, changeling paranoia. Like, yep. what's going on with all that? What about the Klingons? Are they starting a war? Like, who knows? Well, like, let's, nope. go, let's go to the universe next door instead. Let's see what evil Worf is up to. I, now, granted, again, Doran hasn't had a chance to play. No. And, and that, again, appears to be the point. After you, you you said this at one point, and after you said it, it sort of clicked into place. Um, Evil Worf is kind of Skeletor. <laughs> yep. Just sitting in a big throne, yelling at the, waving his fists in the air. Oh, he yelling about fools. how he's surrounded by fools. Yes, you fools! <laughs> I hate things that are nice. There's there's no way I could have been defeated. It must have been one of you fools. I'm surrounded by incompetence. Yeah. There's a. There's a bit where he's got Garrett chained up next to him, and he keeps grabbing him by the chain and pulling him closer, and all I can think about is they sing without blenders. Yes. It's it's staged and acted and shot very much like like uh, Garrick is little dog Max. <laughs> they sing without tinsel. They sing without whatever the fuck the other thing is. I watched that movie in... Yeah, I don't know. But Dr. Seuss, it probably wasn't a real word because when Dr. Seuss couldn't rhyme something, he would just, like, make up a word. Yeah, much in the same way that Klingon, the Klingon language works. Yeah. uh, There's no word for to be. Well, there is now. Chapa. What? Now it's Chapa. Sure. (laughs) Making shit up. But just overall, lazy, not very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Did you have a good thing? Uh, yeah, there's a pretty nice space battle in this one. There is. I Again, I find it hard to get invested in stuff when I don't care about the outcome, but, you know. Uh, you know, I'm a cheap date. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll watch a good space battle. Fair enough. Well, and they... honestly, like, nothing else going on here that I'm terribly interested in. Well, and there's one specific thing about the, the spaceships that was cool, mm-hmm. which was the giant uh, Klingon ship. Oh, yeah, the giant Klingon warship was pretty fucking awesome. It, had a real Star Destroyer look to it. It's it's dwarfing a couple of uh, warbirds. Yeah, and uh, uh, birds of prey. Birds yeah. of prey. Birds of prey. And here's the thing. Like, that's just reusing a model you already had. Yeah. Like, I understand cost-cutting-wise, you, you want to not build a new model just for an episode. That's a good imaginative way. Like, okay, we'll shoot the birds of prey really, like, we'll composite them in really small mm-hmm. so that it looks like this one like Klingon warship is giant. Like that's that's how we like use what we already have in a different way to make it cool and different. Yeah, absolutely. And they could have come up with some other interesting way to do the defiant instead of just using the defiant. Yeah. It's just it's, you know, that was that was like inventive. I, I appreciated that. Mm. But the yeah. just 
fucking just having the defiant. God, that bugs me. Yeah, it's not just great. identical. Yep. Super shiny, beautiful, fucking next gen era Starfleet ship. Yeah, that sort of pale gray. Like, yep. Yeah. You know. Yep. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, you this sh thing should look like welded together garbage. Yep. But no. Ah, <sighs> uh, what are you gonna do? Apparently, I'm gonna get upset about it. Eh. I'm already over it. I, I think it, it, I'm just sort of. I've got mirror fatigue at this point. It's just like ah, yes, mirror fatigue. If only there was a cure for that. Sadly, all we can do is lessen the effects. But uh, mirror, mirror con, oddly enough, never fatigued. <laughs> Always ready to go. What about mirror min? <laughs> mirror boomhauer. <laughs> mirror dale. Still funny. Yep. Still don't know why. Nope. All right, anything else? Um, just my quote. Very well. What is your quote? Uh, I think this sums up the episode pretty well. I don't care about some parallel universe. Nog says what we're all thinking. <laughs> the thing is, I don't I don't think this will be nearly as divisive as 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 uh, past tense or anything like that, but I feel like there are people who enjoy these. I mean, when that's fine, you know, like dig what you dig. I just like I want look, I want to like the Mirror Universe episodes. I do. Wait. Like I, I said, I just the... want them to get crazier. Like, yeah. oh, like if you got this nothing matters universe where you can kill whoever you want and yeah. do whatever weird shit you want, why is it? Why does it feel so boring and standard? Yeah, just you can take chances. Sh don't show me the same boring crap, man. Like, go nuts. Well, the thing is, there's hints of that. It's like, okay, in this universe, we're never gonna hook up Dax and Bashir. We've said that. Yeah. In this universe, we could do that because we could do whatever we want. These characters can do things that that you know. Mm -hmm. the other characters never could and that's sort of implied here but they don't go anywhere with it like yeah. there's a missed opportunity there let's explore a character dynamic we're not allowed to do like th that's the thing you have a whole extra set of characters you can fuck around with in interesting ways mm -hmm. but they're not really doing that except hey, for Kira yeah here's a thing I was thinking about while I was watching the episode um do they ever call do they ever call her Dax or is it just De Jedzia that's a good point I don't know I was wondering about this. It's like, I mean, there's no reason she needs to have the symbiote in this universe. That's a good in fact, point. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that she should. No, I actually don't know. They probably do, though. Yeah, is the thing. That's too bad. But that would be a nice subtle detail. That's kind of that's the kind of thing I think would be cool if they, uh, you know, yeah, you know, if they just, made that distinction. That yeah, that way Terry Farrell still gets to do some stuff, but you also get like a different sort of mirror. Yeah, she's take just Jadzia. Which also would make her a very different character because she doesn't have seven lifetimes of experience. Yeah, exactly. She's just this one woman from, you know, Trill. That's it. On the other hand, it's way easier to just make her be Dax. Well, yeah. Just like everything else. It's just easier this yeah, way. Yeah, just copy and paste and change a few Whatever. Stuff. Yeah. <sighs> ah, what are you going to do? Ah. 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 All right. Um, I, do we need to do a spoiler section this time? I don't, I don't think. think so. I don't think there's anything I really want to touch on. These are two pretty. I mean, yeah. one of I've our. I've told you guys with... fifty times there's going to be more Mirror Universe episodes, but yeah. I don't remember what happens in them anyway. No, all I all I remember is the. Uh, well, we talked about this before too. There. Okay, this won't spoil anything. Yeah. There's a holodeck character, that shows up in the Mirror Universe. Yep. That's stupid. That's fucking dumb. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. All right. Um, so that is all. Uh, yep. As as ever, uh, we're we're drawing near the end of uh, season four already, if you can believe it. We're really um, kind of just booking it right through. We we've just passed the halfway point of DS Nine, actually. Yep. Like three and a half seasons out of seven. So, yeah, we're, <laughs> you know, I mean, the the last three seasons of the show are pretty amazing. Oh yeah. No, we we still got a lot of good stuff to. Uh... We do, but we are past the halfway point. Yeah. Like, there's there's more episodes behind this than ahead at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, that said, we're we're coming near the end of the season, which means we will be doing one of our supplemental episodes in mid October. So if you want to write to us, if there's something you would like to hear us discuss further, questions, comments, uh, postatomichorror at gmail. That's when we do it. We unload all your mail at once and, and discuss things and so forth. So uh, yeah. So uh, if you have any Star Trek questions, if you have any DS9 questions, yeah, send them on in. Bring it. We will yeah. be glad to field them. We will answer any question. Uh, I don't know about that. Except Coke or Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, not going to answer that one. Um <laughs> Uh, next week, uh, our pal Irish Gav will be here for his uh, for his once a season appearance. That will be delightful. 
And um, that is it. So, yeah, as ever, a website, postatomichorror.com, Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. And now we're going to go. See you, folks. Hi, I'm English Gav, and this is... Irish Gav, and we're the hosts of the Drunken Time Travel Podcast. What's that about, Gav? Well, remember that time we were in the pub? This afternoon? No, not then. Yesterday? Speaking of which, where's my beer? Sorry, there isn't enough time for beer. And no, not yesterday either. It was shortly after our guest appearance on the Sarcastic Voyage podcast. Ah, that. Good show, then. Well, we decided to do our own podcast about Doctor Who. Ah, yes. The one where we get drunk watching Doctor Who and then talk about the episode in a hopefully amusing way. That's the one. We've been recording that? Join English Gav and Irish Gav on a journey through time and space. From the very beginning. I like comedy. It makes me laugh. Does it? Does it really? Yes. Available now on iTunes. For more information, visit drunkentimetravel.com. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.